Informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. And hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Hope you're having a good day. You probably are if you had buffalo in your brackets yesterday. But I've got a feeling a lot of people did not, probably. But hope you're having a good day anyway. We have plenty to talk about. Uh, We've been talking a lot about the Farm Bill and the problems in the House Ag Committee, differences between Republicans, Democrats over food stamps. And now we hear that the House Ag Democrats are wanting to see the Farm Bill text before any further talks uh, happen. Of course, we know that Chairman Conway has been trying to have some talks to get this uh, fence mended, but it sounds like they've, they've got a lot of fence mending still to do in the House Ag Committee on the Farm Bill. We'll be keeping a close watch on that. Here's what we're going to be talking about coming up on today's program. Very dry in Kansas, and in just a moment we're going to talk about that uh, with uh, a colleague, a good friend, Greg Akagi with the Kansas Ag Network. He's been out uh, taking a look at just how dry it is in his state. We'll get an update. Uh, There's an ongoing debate. This has been going on for years. Raw milk, and I can't imagine anyone wanting to drink raw milk, but I have had heard from plenty of people that say they they think they should be able to and they like it and they're not worried about the health aspects of it but the dairy industry is worried about it and recently in Tennessee there were a couple of bills that were introduced that would have probably increased the production and consumption of unpasteurized dairy products but those have been defeated and we'll talk with the International Dairy Foods Association about that situation and raw milk in general. Also today, Tom Slate, President and CEO of the U.S. Grains Council, will join us. What do they want to see in the Farm Bill? The importance of marketing programs in the Farm Bill, and what about his concerns over the tariffs imposed by the Trump administration, how that could impact uh, grain sales? And then back on the topic of not only the dryness in Kansas, but many other ag issues, Kansas Senator Jerry Moran is going to join us later in the program as well. So we have a very busy show, but as I mentioned, we want to start it off with the drought conditions in Kansas. Our good friend Greg Akagi at the Kansas Ag Network joins us. Hi, Greg. How are you? Mike, I'm good. How are you? And and also, I'll I'll say, yes, I did not have Buffalo moving on (laughs) last night either, so... I was going to ask you, I thought, you know, if anybody I know did pick Buffalo, it might have been you, but you didn't go that far, huh? No, I actually went the opposite, and as a matter of fact, I had Arizona going all the way, so, you know, Ooh. so, so that much was for a, my bracket in this case. That was a bracket buster first day. Wow, that's a tough one. Okay, well, I've yeah, got a feeling you're probably not alone there. All right, so we're talking about the drought in your state of Kansas. Uh, drought declarations made by the governor yesterday. You've been out uh, touring. I believe you were even with the governor on the tour, right? Yeah, he had a, a drought tour that he took yesterday, so we uh, flew down to uh, portions of southwest Kansas, actually close to where the Starbuck fire, uh, the uh, biggest wildfire in the state's history, took place down in the, around the uh, Meade and Clark County areas, in, in and around Meade and the Ashland area yesterday. All right, so kind of give us a your impressions of what you saw, obviously you cover this every day, but when you were actually out there and touring the state, what stood out to you? Uh, you know, there were really a couple things that stood out on that, Mike, and uh, really for the dry land crop, you could see most definitely the stress that it was under uh, just because of uh, what you saw as far as the lack of stands are concerned. Uh, there was a stand, but it was a very poor stand. I think uh, a couple of things you really looked at, was especially for uh, one of the farmers, uh, David Clausen, 
that we had a chance to uh, tour some of his wheat fields that he had out there. Uh, he had the cattle that had been grazing on a couple of quarters or a couple of circles that he had, and you could see uh, several areas where basically the plant had been pulled up just because of the fact that they were uh, the cattle were just looking for anything out there like that, and, and you could tell how poor those stands were. Uh, I, I think the secondary thing to that is both in where they had the fire last year and they didn't because they had those beneficial rains last spring after the fire. Mm-hmm. They had really good regrowth as far as the grass is concerned. And then you look at even uh, where it didn't have the fire on that CRP ground, how thick and how, uh, you know, how thick that the grass is. That obviously is a worry because even yesterday, Mike, uh, we had winds 30 to 40 miles an hour out in that part of the state with temperatures in the mid-80s, and it was even supposed to be windier. I was looking at the forecast, uh, 40 to 50, gust up to 60 miles an hour today uh, in that part of the state. But with that thick growth, boy, if anything goes off, uh, you've got a big problem on your hands once again uh, just because of the regrowth and then... Uh, just so much of that rain uh, got a lot of that growth on the other pastures uh, to where it is very, very thick. So what are producers telling you, Greg? Uh, what are their plans? How are they dealing with this? Well, and it, and it really is, it's, it's again, twofold in that uh, uh, we already saw a couple of wheat circles that had already been torn up, uh, but I, some of them have already started the process of really uh, – looking at as far as their crop insurance is concerned, getting the agent out there uh, like they're supposed to do and then uh, see what their options are because I I think they're to a point, if they're not there awfully close, probably within the next couple of weeks, they're going to have to say, uh, no, this is, uh, we're not going to be able to save this and then start looking at insurance and then uh, what they may do come May and June, probably more towards June. Uh, the other side of that, and uh, we saw that back in 2011, 2012, and 2013 when we had the prolonged drought in uh, in Kansas, uh, they got to start looking at what they're going to do as far as their cattle are concerned, especially for many of those guys out there. Uh, I go back to using David Clawson as an example. Uh, it was one of those, too, he, like many, he had to pare down his herd uh, back uh, in 2011, 2012, and 2013, and he's already said, yeah, we're going to start, uh, you know, looking at what we may have to do once again, just because of the fact that they're storing, they're already moving uh, cattle early to the feedlots and to the sale barn already, just because of the fact uh, there's really not a lot out there uh, as far as uh, grazing is concerned, and uh, you've got that concern once again on when we pared down uh, our cattle herd in the Kansas in that prolonged drought period. Uh, if we don't see this rain to come back, are we going to have to do that again? Yeah, what is your forecast? Any relief in sight? There actually was a little bit of relief yesterday down in southwest Kansas. Uh, some areas got rain, but uh, one of uh, my good friends down in Ulysses, uh, she tweeted out, 50-mile-an-hour winds last night really helped that uh, 10 hundredths of an inch of moisture soak in. So it has its good points and it has its bad points uh, in that as well. There is a chance, a pretty good chance, the way it looks, of, of, of some showers and thunderstorms coming up on Sunday down in the southwest part of the state. 
uh, and it is needed. Uh, without a doubt, uh, that is something that uh, uh, you could see most definitely. Uh, and, and, and you know this as well as I do, Mike, that you get timely rains on this crop, it will give it a chance. How much damage has already been done to this crop, I think they know some damage has been done. But if they get the timely rains, it can give it a chance. So that's that's what you got to hope. But uh, up until then, uh, if it's just one and then we go another month or so without any, uh, that's still going to end up being a big problem. All right. Uh, hopefully you'll get those rains. Uh, Greg, thanks for the update. We appreciate it. Take care. Mike, I appreciate it. You too. All right, Greg Akagi with the Kansas Ag Network, past president of the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk raw milk with the International Dairy Foods Association. Stay with us. This is AOA Adams on Agriculture. Tired of yesterday's missed weeds becoming today's big problem? Get rid of missed weeds for good with Liberty, the herbicide that puts an end to missed weeds, guaranteed. Plus, Liberty is proven effective on tough-to-control and resistant grasses and broadleaf weeds. So choose Liberty, the simply better solution for superior weed control, backed by the Liberty Weed Control Guarantee. Talk to your retailer to learn how you can qualify for the Liberty Guarantee. Always read and follow label directions. Fastline.com is changing the equipment buying game. Fastline has just released its newest feature, the price comparison tool. The price comparison tool is the first of its kind in the ag equipment market. It's designed to help quickly compare equipment by price, make, and model. Using the price comparison tool, you can see if an item is below, above, or right at average price for similar equipment. Use this game changer right now at FastLine.com. ESN is a responsive nitrogen. That means it does something amazing. This. That's the sound of ESN getting ready. Carefully, quietly calculating the exact moment to respond to your plant's needs. Why is that amazing? Because while other nitrogen might denitrify, volatilize, or leach away, ESN stays put inside its polymer coating, saving your nitrogen investment until... The same triggers that spur plant growth tell ESN it's time to get busy and deliver the nitrogen your plants need. And ESN's controlled release technology means your plants get season-long feeding. Remember, when it comes to nitrogen, this beats and every time effective nitrogen that's a given responsive nitrogen that's amazing that's esn go to smartnitrogen.com to learn more all right guys we're ready for our four season sunroom and daddy's gonna get a rec room with refreshments oh no we'll be sleeping under the stars mom what about the one with you know the fun nice try little bro it's a gym my gym hey grandma's getting her four seasons garden room weather tight and still like being outdoors maybe a living room oh no wait a family hub yeah no matter what the budget the season or the climate Four Seasons Sunrooms let you and your family enjoy the outdoors inside. Call now to hear more about these great offers from the premier manufacturer of sunrooms since 1975. More reasons for four seasons now. To find out more, call toll-free 800-988-4477. That's 800-988-4477. Call 800-988-4477 today. 
Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. And welcome back. Uh, The National Milk Producers Federation and the International Dairy Foods Association both applauded the withdrawal recently of a series of bills in the Tennessee state legislature that could have increased uh, the production and consumption of unpasteurized dairy products. This raw milk issue has been around for a long, long time. We're going to talk about it today with Emily Lyons, Director of Regulatory Affairs for the International Dairy Foods Association. Emily, thank you for joining us. Happy to be here, Mike. I know you're concerned, and it sounds like you might be on a speakerphone. If you are, if you would, please pick up the handset. I would really appreciate it. Uh, thank you. All right, let's uh, let's look at this issue in Tennessee. Yet, what a couple bills there that uh, would have uh, made it easier for people to uh, purchase and consume raw uh, dairy products, right? To tell us about what those would have done and why you were in opposition to them. Mike, uh, there were two sets of companion bills introduced in both the Tennessee House and Senate, um, one of which would allow the sale of raw milk butter and um, you know, remove the existing regulations in the state of Tennessee that you know, prohibit that sale. Um, and then the other bill would have um, exempted home kitchens from licensure, inspection, and regulation. And what this would really do is open the door for raw milk um, and raw dairy products to be sold from those home kitchens. And, now the you know, IDFA and yeah. National Milk have, you know, had long-term policies and sta- positions against, um, you know, allowing the purchase and sale of raw dairy products. Uh, you know, in order to protect consumers' health. Yeah, and I want to talk more about that in just a moment. wanted to point out that the Tennessee General Assembly did not approve either bill, so that basically basically killed them both uh, for this year. But this issue keeps coming up, Emily. Why does the dairy industry feel so strongly about this issue? Because I, I hear people say, and I've heard it from them over the years, oh, it ought to be my choice whether or not I, I drink raw milk or not. Why is the dairy industry so uh, set against this? You know, the dairy industry is always concerned about public health. We think the, you know, pasteurization is a known and long-standing technology that is extremely, and there's so much scientific proof that shows that pasteurization makes dairy products safe. Um, there's, you know, lots of information from the CDC about how consuming raw product, raw milk products, you know, increase rates of hospitalization and also are more likely to cause foodborne illness. Well, you know, we don't like necessarily limiting consumer choice. There's a lot of consumer confidence in the safety of dairy products that are sold in our grocery stores. So when these raw, out, raw milk health outbreaks occur, you know, in states that may allow the sale of raw milk, it does kind of shake that consumer product and co- uh, that consumer confidence in, you know, dairy, pasteurized dairy products. Sure, that's a good point. Uh, not only do people drinking raw milk run the risk of uh, illness, but then as people hear about that, it might make them question even pasteurized milk and just wonder if it's milk in general doing it. So that would certainly send out a a negative image. Exactly. And, you know, there are regulations, you know, the pasteurized milk ordinance, which really helps, you know, consumers always have confidence in that, that pasteurized products that are sold in grocery stores are safe. Um, And, you know, we really don't want 
to lose that healthy image of the dairy of dairy products. But this keeps coming up, and evidently some people feel very strongly that there is some kind of a health benefit to uh, raw milk, or they may for some reason be uh, uh, fearful or, or they question or doubt the health aspects of pasteurization. So this keeps coming up. I mean, is there anything to that? I mean, what do what the studies show? Are there any benefits of raw milk? There is absolutely no evidence that supports that pasteurized milk provides any health benefits. Um, and there is substantial evidence that shows that pasteurization does not, you know, reduce any nutrient content of pasteurized milk. You know, it, it doesn't change any of those attributes of the milk except for making it safer for people to consume. So really, you know, the claims from individuals who would like to consume raw milk or be able to purchase it on a wider scale are really without foundation. Is the legality of raw milk sales, is that still a state-by-state proposition? Uh, So states are allowed to regulate intrastate commerce. So what's sold within inside their state, but at the federal level and across state lines, it is absolutely prohibited. So there are some states that do allow the sale, the direct sale of raw milk to consumers or will allow its, you know, sale through things called cow shares where, you know, you own a portion of the cow or the whole cow. Um, most don't prohibit individuals from consuming it in those cases. Um, however, the sale is at the federal level you know, prohibited, and then some states have, you know, allowed their consumers to be exposed to this very dangerous product. We're talking with Emily Lyons, Director of Regulatory Affairs for the International Dairy Foods Association. Emily, where can consumers who, you know, are wondering about this, where can they go to see the latest information, the research, the studies that have been done on raw milk? The Center for Disease Control and Prevention has a a absolute plethora of information on the uh, research about raw milk, um, as well as, you know, its risks and a lot of information that they have gathered and watched, you know, from the 90s and that's even current that talks about how many individuals have become sickened from raw milk or eating raw dairy products. Um, And, you know, they've got a really, really great resource page about the risks associated with consuming these products. Now, I remember first starting talking about this issue many years ago. I, I was amazed then. I'm still amazed now that people want to drink raw milk or, or consume those products or take that chance even. Uh, but yet, obviously, it's still an issue in many parts of the country. It, it absolutely still is an issue. And, you know, while adults may be able to make an informed choice and be able to read this information from the CDC about the risks with raw milk, I think one of the things that we're also extremely concerned about is, you know, many of these individuals give these products to their children who don't have this information and can make an informed choice about raw milk. So when we see these outbreaks, a lot of the time it's actually children who are becoming sickened. And, you know, that that's something that is, you know, very concerning and will continue to happen as if states uh, continue to lessen, you know, the regulatory controls over raw milk. See, you know, so I'm looking at the numbers. CDC researchers concluding that unpasteurized milk is 840 times more likely to cause foodborne illness than pasteurized milk. 
and such illnesses have a hospitalization rate 45 times higher than those involving pasteurized dairy products. I mean, those are pretty uh, staggering numbers, really. Yes, the the numbers of illnesses and you know rates of those illnesses are absolutely you know astronomical, and you know you would think that just the, by, on those numbers alone, people wouldn't want to consume raw milk, and you know. Some people decide to ignore the science and the data, but again, pasteurization is proven to be safe, safe and healthy, um, and they should be following CDC recommendations to avoid raw milk. All right, Emily, thank you very much. Uh, it, it's an issue that I, I can say I'm always astounded that it's still an issue, but obviously it is, and we just want people to uh, do their homework, and if they have questions about it, to uh, check it out, because as you said, there's a lot of research done on this, and, and something that uh, should be... Um, you know, looked at very, very closely. Obviously, we have pasteurization for a reason, right? Exactly. That is exactly why it was invented, you know, to protect consumers from foodborne illness outbreaks. All right. Emily, thank you for being with us. We appreciate it. Yep. Thanks so much, Mike. Emily Lyons, Director of Regulatory Affairs for the International Dairy Foods Association. So again, those two bills in Tennessee that would have increased uh, the uh, production and consumption of unpasteurized dairy products, those uh, were withdrawn. But it continues to be an issue for for some people um, that claim that they ought to have the right uh, to consume raw milk and raw dairy products. But as you can tell, I can see why the dairy industry doesn't like it. And uh, Obviously, there are some serious risks that go along with it as well. So check out that research uh, if you are <laughs> trying to, wondering whether or not to make that uh, choice or not when it comes to raw dairy products. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk with the president and CEO of the U.S. Grains Council. Tom Slate is going to join us. I want to talk about some, you know, there are parts of the Farm Bill we talk a lot about right now. We're talking about uh, the food stamp program, and we always talk about, you know, the uh, crop insurance and programs like ARC and PLC. But, you know, in that Farm Bill 2 are marketing programs, international marketing programs that are very important to help us sell our grains around the world. Exports are so important to U.S. agriculture. Well, uh, what about the funding for those particular programs? That's a very important part of uh, the Farm Bill 2. We'll get an update on that. And is Tom Slate concerned about uh, the president's tariffs on steel and aluminum hurting our sales to of grains around the world we'll find out that's coming up next stay with us this is aoa adams on agriculture Looking for a proven herbicide trait system this upcoming season? Look no further than the Liberty Link system. With a 2-plus bushel per acre yield advantage over Asgro Roundup ready to extend. And superior weed control. Growers across the country are seeing phenomenal results. In fact, 97% of growers reported good to excellent performance. Ask your authorized seed dealer or retailer about the Liberty Link system. The highest rated soybean trait system in 2017. Learn more at libertylinkadvantage.bear.us. Always read and follow label instructions. Thousands of 
people contact InventHelp monthly about their invention or new product. Do you think companies would be interested in your idea? Do you want to try to get a patent? Call InventHelp now. Best of all, the call and information are free. InventHelp keeps your idea confidential, explaining every step of the invention process. Join people just like you who made the call to InventHelp. You have nothing to lose. The call and the information are free. Call 800-352-1402. That's 800-352-1402. Time now for a market check from Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson of the American Ag Network. For the grain and oil seed sector on this Friday session, we see a mix once again with minus signs in corn and in wheat, while soybean futures are trending five to six and a fraction higher. In corn, the largest weekly corn export sales report in over two decades. Not enough to fend off selling on Thursday, make it three in a row on this Friday for minus signs. Currently, May corn, an hour into the session, down two and a fraction, 384 and a half. Resistance and a short-term top seen on that contract at 395 and a quarter. Yesterday's breakdown below 10-day moving average support, a weak short-term sign on the charts, that 10-day moving average seen at 388 and three quarters. In soybean futures, the May contract up six and a half at 1047 and a quarter. Buyers emerging on a dip in the beans yesterday. We posted a strong recovery. On the upside, resistance remains at Wednesday's high at 1054. For the wheats, we are one to three and a half lower in Minneapolis spring wheat. Chicago wheat, new crop July down seven and three quarters at 488 and a half. Kansas City, July down 10 and three quarters, 519 and three quarters of a cent. For livestock at the Merck and live cattle futures, we are 60 to 75 cents lower. The cash trade for physical cattle mostly coming in between 126 and 129 so far this week. That would mark a gain of as much as $3 from a week ago. Packers said to be low on cattle, forcing them to raise their offers to feed yards. In feeder cattle, we are 45 to a dollar 10 lower. Lean hog futures nearby April up a dime, 65.82. Outside markets: the Dow up 77, S&P up a point, crude up a penny. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson for the American Ag Network. If you or your family love the freedom of swimming any time of year, if you love sharing good times and making great memories, or if you want one of the best total body workouts ever, then it's time to discover the three C's of your very own endless pool. The first C is convenience. Imagine swimming year-round in your own private swimming pool, installed indoors or out, just steps away. The second C is comfort. With sculpted spa seats and your own adjustable temperature, you can easily escape the stress of your day. And the third C is cost. Your endless pool is an affordable luxury at a fraction of the cost of a regular pool. And here's a bonus C, choice. Because when you call for your free endless pool idea kit, you'll receive information on our full line of pools to suit your budget and location. Call now for your free information, 800-717-0734, 800-717-0734. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Welcome back. Really beginning to wonder when this farm bill is going to get done. You know, I never believe the predictions that they're going to get a farm bill done early. They always, every time one comes up, you'll hear, hear people start saying, oh, we're going to get this one done early. That's rarely the case. Uh, getting it done on time is a challenge. 
and as we've seen before, oftentimes they, they get extended. This one, they talked about getting done the end of last year, then it was going to be early this year. Now there are more and more people talking about next year. You've, you've got a delay right now in the House Ag Committee. In the old days, the Ag Committees would kind of pound it out, argue among themselves, get it done, put together, send it to the floor, and it would get passed. Nowadays, you know, if it has trouble in the committees, then you wonder what's ahead because the real challenge is going to be coming uh, when it gets to the floor. So, I mean, this is supposed to be the easier part in the committees. And right now there's a big uh, disconnect between Republicans and Democrats on the House Ag Committee over food stamps. We mentioned this earlier. The Democrats want to see a text of the bill before there are any more talks. Chairman Conaway has been trying to have these talks and, and try to mend these fences. So uh, it's got a ways to go. And then you run in just you run out of time on the schedule. <laughs> hey, we know Congress is out a lot. And so you got to fit things in. And what we've been seeing for several months, other big issues keep jumping in there and sucking up the time that they have and, and it pushes the farm bill back even further. So it looks like the road is getting longer and harder rather than shorter and easier. But we'll see. Then all of a sudden something can happen and boom, it, it moves quickly. But uh, right now it's not headed in that direction. So we've talked about the different things in the farm bill. Nutrition, obviously. Crop insurance, huge issue. ARC, PLC, those things. But these, but there are things in there like marketing programs that are very, very important to help us move products around the world. Joining us now to talk about that is Tom Slate, President and CEO of the U.S. Grains Council. Tom, thanks for joining us. Appreciate your time. Mike, Mike, always great to visit with you. Thanks for having me on. Well, these marketing programs, I know that you realize they're important. You keep a close watch on the funding for those, don't you? Yeah, it goes without saying, Mike, I, you know, there's two major programs that the U.S. Grains Council leverages farmers' checkoff investments with. That's the Farmer Market Development Program, the FMD program, and the Market Access Program. The FMD program is a program that the, the U.S. Grains Council uses to put assets on the ground, boots on the ground, if you will, around the world. In these crazy times uh, of all these uh, trade stressors, you need to have local representation. That program ends on September 30th, you know, this year, 2018, unless it's reauthorized by the Farm Bill. Uh, that, you know, again, there's no authorization for either the Foreign Market Development Program or the Market Access Program beyond the life of this Farm Bill. You know, Tom, what I've learned over the years in working with people like yourself, um, the key to establishing good markets around the world as you said, boots on the ground, the personal relationships. These countries value that very highly, and you've got to have people on the ground in these countries that they know and that they trust, and if you don't have that, you're going to have a hard time uh, uh, being successful in selling to them. You know, Mike, I mean, I always tell my, my, my two sons, I said, the world belongs to those who show up, and it's showing up on a daily basis, talking to your customers, talking to foreign trade officials, what, what are they hearing? What are they reacting to? What are they seeing in terms of you know, competitive uh, uh, feed grain sources and so forth? You have to be there and, and understand these markets, and it gives us a valuable leg up in both in negotiations and in just you know making those sales. I look at these programs, these marketing programs, much like I do ag research. Very, very important, but often 
overlooked and taken for granted and too often easy for budget cutters to go after with cuts. Yeah, Mike, that's for sure. I think one thing's a little bit different this time. Again, I think a lot of folks uh, in U.S. agriculture are really realizing the importance of international trade towards the future of any agricultural commodity in terms of market growth and sustaining those that market access. Again, dealing with the trade issues we have. So I think the program is, is you know, there's a lot of people saying they really strongly support the program, but Congress has got to get this work done, and we were sort of thinking the Farm Bill would be one thing they could get done in this session, you know, and, and uh, they haven't got a, actually a huge record on getting things done. This is one they could get done. But what's happening now always gives us concern because, again, you know, come September 30th, we might be looking at uh, laying off people and, and shutting down programs, and that's not useful in a time where, where, where corn prices are where they are now. We're talking with Tom Slate, president and CEO of the U.S. Grains Council. Well, you, you've alluded to the, uh, the uncertainty of some of these trade issues. Uh, I, I'm kind of anxious to, what was your uh, thoughts, uh, your reaction when you first heard about uh, the Trump administration going to place tariffs on steel and aluminum and the possible then the backlash against agriculture? Well, every day, you know, I got into work, Mike, I, I, I buckle my seatbelt low and tight, you know, for the rocky and uh, possible uh, turbulence. And that's what you've had to do. We sort of thought that this move might come. We saw it coming, you know, about a year or so ago, that there might be some move on, on, on tariffs on, on steel and aluminum. Uh, this one, you know, uh, yeah, when it happened, it wasn't a happy day. You know, we were hoping it wasn't going to happen, but it did. And so uh, we immediately we start hearing from our good customers, Mexico, uh, Canada. Now, one of particular concern right now is South Korea, the number three market for U.S. corn and for DDGs, uh, telling me personally, um, you know, they're going to look, be start to look at grain imports for retaliation if South Korea is not exempt from these uh, steel aluminum tariffs. That, you know, okay, here we go again. And so uh, it's very, very concerning. We need to keep a strong uh, export flow going. There are good sales going on. Uh, again, your reports just alluded to that. But uh, right now, um, makes us real nervous because, again, when you raise uh, the issue of, of, of national security, it's very easy to play that national security card when it comes to food. And, and Mexico has already threatened that. So. Uh, we have to pay attention. We have to talk to a lot of people and keep talking because uh, the effects could be could be a real and could be very immediate. Okay, so that's interesting because, um, you know, there was a lot of speculation about possible potential retaliation against ag products. You were hearing firsthand from trading partners that it was a, it was a possibility and maybe even a likely possibility. Yeah, I mean... You know, the, right now there's the what's called the amendment and notification process, not a renegotiation process. You know, listen to the words carefully on the Korea Free Trade Agreement, you know, the chorus. And for, for the longest time, there's been like two, I think, meetings on, you know, uh, talks about chorus uh, over the past uh, several months. And agriculture was always left out of it, left out of on the Korean side left out of on the U.S. side, let's just focus on issues where we have real problems, like automobiles and, and consumer goods. Well, when the steel and tariffs came out, you know, again, the trade minister from Korea said he's getting a lot of pressure from his National Assembly 
to start looking at where U.S. has a strong export position to Korea. And obviously, that's agriculture, and obviously, that's grain. Obviously, that's going to be corn and DDGs. Hmm. You know, I hear people say, oh, if, if, if NAFTA falls apart or we pull out of it, Mexico, Canada, but especially Mexico, they're still going to have to buy from us. But, you know, I keep saying, why would you want to force such a good customer to look anywhere else? And obviously, it's going to impact your sales. It may may not eliminate all of them, but it's sure going to impact it, right? Right, Mike. You're, you're, you're spot on. I mean, yes, Mexico is going to buy corn, and yes, the United States is going to sell uh, grain to Mexico. The thing that uh, worries us is that we have a 98% market share now, uh, at last year. But now you're seeing, you know, that door is open. We're opening the door for our competition to come in. There have been sales. We're probably going to lose maybe, I would say, 10, 10% of our share uh, could, could come off the top because there's this interest in finding a plan B, finding alternative suppliers. There was even a sale way back uh, late in the year where um, a Mexican buyer bought more, paid more uh, for Brazilian corn than U.S. corn. And we said, whoa, wait a minute. Now, that was an isolated example. But even still, we've opened up the door. There's investment going into, uh, you know, hand, port handling facilities. They're building storage to be able to handle boats rather than uh, – uh, rail cars and, and trucks, even trucks coming from the U.S. We've opened the door for competition. And the first thing you're going to see it uh, materialize in is, you know, weakening of basis because there won't be that as strong a pull of weekly trains coming out of the Midwest going down into Mexico. So what we're saying is really you can make the case that damage has already been done just in the NAFTA negotiations and what's being talked about so publicly. Not that a lot of that can't be repaired, but uh, uh, damage is already happening, which is just, uh, you know, kind of gives you an idea of what could happen if these things fall apart. Markets have long memories, Mike. You've seen that. I mean, they, they remember when the U.S. embargo, you know, put embargoes on soybeans and grain. They remember this stuff for a long time. And so the world is watching, literally the world, the whole world is watching the NAFTA negotiations to see how they play out, to see how the negotiations, the tenor of negotiations are, because, again, um, no, we're not going to lose the market. We're going to see some, some market weakening there. And I don't think, um, you know, U.S. farmers want to see that. They want to be able to really dominate the, their markets, particularly ones right at our, our neighboring countries. Tom, as always, thank you for uh, joining us. Good to hear your perspective on these issues and what you're hearing from our customers around the world. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mike. Always a pleasure. Tom Slate, President and CEO of the U.S. Grains Council. So we talk a lot about what might happen with NAFTA. Some things are happening right now, uh, some negative things as far as our trading relationships with countries such as Mexico. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk ag issues with Kansas Senator Jerry Moran. His thoughts on what's happening in his state of Kansas with the drought, but also some of the big uh, ag issues dealing they're dealing with in Washington, D.C. That's coming up next. AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Reason number 12 why you should own a Thermospas hot tub? They require no attachment to your home's plumbing. Thanks to the Thermospas unique built-in thermofiltration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. 
Call to receive your free DVD videos and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,250 savings coupon, including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount. And with models starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a Thermospas hot tub. So call now and ask about this limited time offer. Call Thermospas today at 800-991-5852 for your free DVD videos and brochure. That's 800-991-5852. Thermospas, hot tubs designed to improve your life. Call 800-991-5852 today to take advantage of 0% APR financing. What if you had a medical emergency away from home? What you need is Mobile Help, America's premier mobile medical alert system. Most systems only work at home, but with Mobile Help, you get help outside the home with coverage nationwide on one of the largest cellular networks at the press of a button. I press the button and lo and behold, the emergency came within minutes. Mobile Help did save my life. No question about that. Call Mobile Help now for a free color brochure. We'll send you everything you need, including the base station, the patented mobile device, the waterproof pendant and wrist button. You can also add the fall button that automatically detects falls and signals help. Call today and receive a risk-free 30-day trial. There's no equipment to buy and no long-term contract. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free emergency key box with your plan purchase. Remember, mobile help keeps you safe coast to coast. Call 800-930-6137 now for your free mobile help brochure. That's 800-930-6137. Again, 800-930-6137. ESN is a responsive nitrogen. That means it does something amazing. This. That's the sound of ESN getting ready. Carefully, quietly calculating the exact moment to respond to your plant's needs. Why is that amazing? Because while other nitrogen might denitrify, volatilize, or leach away, ESN stays put inside its polymer coating, saving your nitrogen investment until... The same triggers that spur plant growth tell ESN it's time to get busy and deliver the nitrogen your plants need. And ESN's controlled release technology means your plants get season-long feeding. Remember, when it comes to nitrogen, this beats and every time. Effective nitrogen, that's a given. Responsive nitrogen, that's amazing. That's ESN. Go to SmartNitrogen.com to learn more. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. When I invented MyPillow, I wanted it to where you could move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep sleep faster and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed. It's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow, and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. MyPillow now offers 50% off their four-pack special. That's two premium pillows and two go-anywhere pillows, 50% off. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. 50% off MyPillow's four-pack special. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. Fastline.com is changing the equipment buying game. Fastline has just released its newest feature, the Price Comparison Tool. The price comparison tool is the first of its kind in the ag equipment market. It's designed to help quickly compare equipment by price, make, and model. 
Using the price comparison tool, you can see if an item is below, above, or right at average price for similar equipment. Use this game changer right now at FastLine.com. Looking for a proven herbicide trait system this upcoming season? Look no further than the Liberty Link system. With a 2-plus bushel per acre yield advantage over Asgro Roundup Ready to Extend and superior weed control, growers across the country are seeing phenomenal results. In fact, 97% of growers reported good to excellent performance. Ask your authorized seed dealer or retailer about the Liberty Link system, the highest rated soybean trait system in 2017. Learn more at Liberty libertylinkadvantage.bear.us. Always read and follow label instructions. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. And welcome back. I'm happy to have back on with me here. First time on my new show, Kansas Senator Jerry Moran. Senator, how are you? Hey, Mike, I'm good. Nice to hear your voice again, and uh, I'm honored to be asked to join you on your new program. Well, thank you very much. Always enjoy talking with you. And I, Earlier we had a uh, good friend of ours, Greg Akagi, from the Kansas Ag Network on. He was talking about he was out on a tour with the governor uh, through the drought areas of Kansas uh, yesterday, and, of course, that led to uh, drought declarations in your state. But obviously that's a, that's a huge issue for farmers and ranchers there facing some really tough times with this drought. Uh, absolutely, it is the it is the greatest concern. People ask me what uh, when I return to Washington D.C. on Monday, they'll ask me what did uh, your constituents talk about, and uh, there's a lot of things they talk about. But at the top of the list is the lack of moisture, snowfall, rain. Uh, there's some in the forecast again, and we wake up every day looking to see if uh, the forecast is going to hold true. But it is dry across Kansas, and the fires uh, seemingly every day we've had reports of fires. Uh, in which uh, thousands of acres have been burned, uh, so far less dramatic than we had a year ago this month, uh, particularly in Clark, uh, Reno, and other counties in Kansas. Uh, we had some success in the uh, in the uh, CR, the continuing resolution, to provide some assistance to those farmers who uh, lost uh, cattle in the last fire, but uh, all of us would prefer to just have the moisture, the grass uh, return, and a lot less fear about fires. Uh, it seems like in our state they come from Oklahoma and work our way south, uh, west uh, to the northeast. Are your constituents also talking about concerns over some of the uh, administration's trade policies, such as tariffs that have been, uh, you know, the steel and aluminum tariffs, and concerns how that could impact agriculture? Mike, we are an export state, and uh, certainly agriculture is at the forefront of that, but we manufacture automobiles, we manufacture lots of airplanes, Wichita, South Central Kansas, is the air capital of the world. Uh, so general aviation plus military aircraft. In fact, I was at Spiro Aerosystems last week uh, celebrating their 10,000th fuselage coming across uh, the production line, 100% aluminum. So the aluminum tariffs and steel matter greatly to our state. From an agricultural point of view, it drives up the cost of farm equipment, uh, engine for uh, for farm equipment. But the real concern, or maybe the greater concern, is the potential retaliation that comes from uh, these these impositions of tariffs. We saw this with washing machines and solar panels and what happened to, to at least potentially what's happening to grain sorghum uh, by China in response. And so agriculture has a lot at stake. And uh, in my view, uh, our farmers and ranchers are doing an, a good job. Our farm organizations, commodity groups, a number of them have been in Washington, D.C., 
since this latest round of tariffs were imposed, uh, and they've been making the case known to me and uh, other members of the of the United States Congress, but more importantly to the administration. And we, I've done exactly the same thing, making it clear that uh, this is uh, very damaging to the folks of our state and how we earn a living. And then, of course, when the president at least initially tied uh, his conclusions uh, in what he was going to do with these tariffs to NAFTA, uh, even more concerning, uh, Mexico and Canada are number one and two uh, importers of agricultural products from our state. So we depend upon trade and the tariffs and the and the administration's positions, particularly as it relates to a potential withdrawal from NAFTA, are front and center. I made this point, uh, Mike, when the tax bill was being considered in the United States Senate. Uh, I supported the tax bill and believe that it can bring some economic uh, opportunities uh, to the United States, to our, or to our citizens, more jobs, better jobs, higher-paying jobs. But if you take away trade, if you damage us by withdrawal from, uh, if we're damaged by withdrawal from NAFTA, and now we see the tariffs, uh, which are on top of tariffs that were previously entered uh, into or imposed, and you add TPP, you take away our ability to earn a living, tax reductions, tax re- rate reductions really don't mean a lot if you have no income for which they apply. I've wondered since the election how this was going to play out because we know agriculture strong support for Donald Trump, but he was also he made it clear how he felt about trade deals while he was running, and it looked like you know you had a couple of things here, uh, what he was going to try to do for the the Rust Belt, and would he be able to do that and still support the Farm Belt? Is it coming down to Rust Belt versus Farm Belt? Is that a battle within this White House? Well, I think certainly in the political sense, that is true. There's a lot of appeal in the Rust Belt to these tariffs. Uh, At least that's what the political scientists say. Uh, A lot of concern with them in the Farm Belt. And I've made this point to uh, administration officials, particularly those on the political side. Uh, There is a consequence to to, uh, damaging the farm economy. Uh, We all remember in ag country uh, President Carter and the grain embargo against the Soviet Union. And it had a significant economic consequence, but it also had a significant uh, political consequence uh, in in future elections. And so we're, we want the administration to know these are very significant uh, issues that uh, how they're resolved matter greatly, uh, certainly to, to Kansas and the Midwest. We also have a couple of new Kansans that are been confirmed now by the Senate since you and I have visited. Greg Dowd, the agricultural uh, representative at USTR, a, a Kansas farm kid. Uh, we're pleased to see that happen. C.J. Mahoney, a, a Kansas kid, uh, uh, one from Mankato, Greg Dowd from Mankato, C.J. Mahoney from another small town of Russell, uh, in which he's the deputy trade USTR ambassador for half the world, from Mexico to China. And so we're pleased to have the administration having some new personnel, finally getting the, the Democrats in the Senate to relent and get confirmations taken in place. Incidentally, both of these individuals were confirmed overwhelmingly. But it just took a long time. So there is some developments in trade that will put some personnel in place that we'll have uh, an opportunity to, to visit with uh, more frequently. Well, we'll let you go. We know you got budget issues and a lot of other things to work on. And uh, we'll talk again. Uh, as always, open invitation to be on with us anytime here on Adams on Agriculture. We hope to talk to you often, Senator. Thanks a lot. Thank you so very much, Mike. Good to, good to hear your voice, as I said earlier. Thank you, and thanks for your time. We appreciate it. Kansas Senator Jerry Moran. All right, that's going to wrap it up for today and for the week.
two weeks now with our new show. Thank you for being part of it. We have more uh, stations coming on with us all the time, more people listening. We appreciate it. Get the word out. You can always reach me, Mike Adams at AmericanAgNetwork.com by email and uh, at Mike Adams Ag on Twitter. Coming up on Monday, of course, a closer look at the weather here in the U.S. and in South America. And we're going to talk with the agriculture equipment manufacturers about equipment sales impacts of tariffs there what's the uh, you know looking forward what kind of year are they expecting we'll talk about all that coming up on monday have a great weekend everyone thanks for joining us on aoa adams on agriculture